Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? I'm your host, Cody Davis, a part of Believe in the Rockets. And before we get started with this latest installment, I got to tell you guys about Bet Online, which is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports, contests, and events. Find reviews and news for every league, including MLB, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, and even golf. Bet Online continues to be the top online resource for all your sporting information from live in game betting, props, and even future events. So head on over to Bet Online today or use your mobile device to sign up today and you will receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just remember to use the promo code BELIEVE50, that's B-L-E-A-V-50, to receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit because Bet Online is where the game starts. And we are back, ladies and gentlemen, to this latest installment of Believe in the Rockies, only on the Believe Podcast Network. And as always, I'm your host, credential reporter for Sports Illustrated, Cody Davis. Please remember to follow me on Twitter at Cody Davis underscore 24. Once again, that's Cody, C-O-T-Y-D-A-V-I-S underscore 24, along with my guy, Mr. Brian Belfield, Big Sarge. He, he believes that he's a celebrity because he had an opportunity to be on KPRC Sunday night talking all things Houston Texans. So, excuse me, can I have your autograph? Stop, <laughs> stop. But you, what you, the one thing you did forget is you forgot to add it's Brian Bearfield, aka Big Sarge, comma, Esquire. <laughs> I'm just saying. I right, listen. I'm right here with you, Cody. I didn't forget you, man. I'm right here with you. Hey, what's going on, brother? Thanks for having me on, man. I appreciate that. Sounds good. Sounds good. And on today's installment of Believe in the Rockets, Brian and myself, we are going to put the finishing touches on the Houston Rockets Summer League performance where they went two and three in Las Vegas. And along with your brother, Brian Belfield was right there next to me, literally every single, almost every single moment in Las Vegas. We had an opportunity to cover. (laughs) We had an opportunity to cover the Houston Rockets in Las Vegas. (laughs) No, stop. See, listen, first of all, like I said, thank you for having me on. You are very Mm -hmm. good at your craft. And what Mm -hmm. I mean by you, I appreciate that. Did you see how you manipulated those words? How? Because you didn't say he was with me every step as we walked towards the <laughs> hotel that had the Michael Jackson exhibit and show going on. I noticed you didn't say he was with me step for step because you knew that that would strike a nerve with me. Oh, my God. Yeah, by the way, ladies and gentlemen, me and Sarge on the last day of being in Las Vegas, um, I wanted to go back to the Michael Jackson exhibit to pick up a few things, and the hotel was right there. That's all I had to say, and it ended up being like a 25-minute walk, but that's okay. I was able to get my bottle, got my, my, my wife something, and got my mom something, so, you know, 
You better never bring that. At the at the end of the day, we got some much needed exercise. There's always a positive in every scenario. You better never bring that to the Toyota Center while the Rockets are playing. You know why? You know, I think matter of fact, I'm gonna I'm bring it. I'm gonna bring it to training camp. Training camp starts this Friday. I'm gonna be there. You gonna be there? It's gonna be a hot. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Listen, I'm gonna see it every day. Spend your last couple of days with it. It's going to be mine. And on today's installment, as I mentioned, we are going to put the finishing touches on the Houston Rockets Summer League recap. Now, as you guys know, on the last installment, I talked about Javari Smith Jr., I talked about Tata Washington, talked about Dacia Nix, talked about Josh Christopher, but I did not talk about Tari Eason because I wanted to save that because my brother Big Sarge has some really good insight on Tari Eason. Sarge. To get this latest installment of Believe in the Rockets kicked off, your guy, Tari Eason, put together an extremely good summer league performance. And would you say it is a stretch to say that he might have been what? The third, maybe the fourth best rookie prospect in Vegas? Well, I I will say this, Cody. That young man is... And I'm treading lightly here before I say this because I don't want people, you know, how people will take something and run with it and make it, you know, just a quick sound bite. And all of a sudden, mm-hmm. it's like, oh, this is what Big Sarge said. No. <laughs> Let me preface my statement by saying this I'm not saying that Tari Eason is this guy, at least not yet. What I'm saying is he has the exact same mindset as this guy. And I'm talking about. Kevin Garnett, mm. his work ethic. If anybody's ever done any research on Kevin Garnett, or if they've ever seen any videos of Kevin Garnett, as far as not only just games, but in practice, like Kevin Garnett is one of those guys that his mindset is once he steps on the court, he goes to work. He's not there to play around. He's not, he's there to do a job. And in his mind is nobody else that's better than him on the court. And he wants to do his job effectively. Highly effective. So Tari Eason, to me, is one of those guys that once he steps onto the court, that's his mindset. Yes, there may be other players on the court that that can outplay him. There may be more athletic than him. There, there are players on the court, especially in this past summer league, who went higher than he did in the draft. Hmm. But his mindset is, I am the best player when I step onto this court and let me show you how. Let, 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 let me show you why. Let me show you what I can and what I can't do. And once he gets acclimated to the NBA game, once he gets brought up to speed on the NBA game, watch how he goes to another level. I mean, I think we've talked about it before, Cody, but he, I mean, first play of the game in Summer League. First play was, of Summer League. <laughs> yes, first play of Summer League was a dunk. And that play set the tone for the rest of the summer league and the way that he played. Like, uh, I think earlier, if I want to say maybe a couple of days ago, he was playing in the Drew League. Mm-hmm. Scored 37 points. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you remember this or not. A quick story. I don't know if you remember this or not, but after Hurricane Katrina, Kenny Smith put together a charity game here in Houston. Oh, yeah, right? I remember. Put, put, put a charity game together and like it was amazing. He brought out, you know, all the, you know, all the, the big name NBA players at the time. I mean, even 
Kanye West did a surprise performance at halftime. I mean, it was great because it was benefiting the, the, the victims of Hurricane Katrina. Kevin Garnett played in that game. Gilbert Arenas, too, by the way. Like, Gilbert Arenas is probably one of the fastest players I've ever seen in the NBA. It's another story for another time. Yeah, fastest rise and fastest decline. <laughs> pew, pew. <laughs> but Kevin Garnett was playing in that game. And, Cody, if you did not know that it was a benefit game, if you did not know that it was a charity game, you would swear for goodness that they had an MVP. Like, I'm saying to myself, like, is there is there a – like a relief game MVP that the trophy that they're giving out because Kevin Garnett was playing as if he was in a real game, like doing, like playing, like he was about to play a full game in the NBA. And I said to myself, here's a guy that his work ethic is so strong that he can't turn it off. And so I say that about Tari Easton playing in the Drew League, scoring that amount of points that he scored. And if you look at the highlights, like he is playing like he is playing in a game. And summer league, a lot of people don't take summer league serious. A lot of rookies are just there to try to get themselves, you know, acclimated to the NBA time clock, the bigger court shot clock and things like that. Here's a guy that's like, no, I'm coming in so I can work on my game. So I was very, very, very impressed by what I've seen from Tari Eason during the Las Vegas summer league. Hmm. You mentioned you're comparing him with his work ethic to Kevin Garnett, I'm going to take it a little bit of a step further. And the one thing that I noticed about Tari Eason throughout summer league, and I, and I'm comparing him to this guy, just like you, I'm not saying he's going to turn into this guy. And I do believe his skill set is going to be 10 times better. But when I take a look at this Houston Rockets team, when I take a look at the fact that um, Raphael Stone and Steven Silas has done a really good job putting together a foundation, um, putting together pieces around this organization that we can all probably say in the next two, possibly three years, we can see this team competing in the playoffs and within the next five to six years, hopefully with the, with the same core, if they could keep this core together and if they continue to develop, we're looking at a Houston Rockets team that could finally get back to championship contention. Um, in terms of what I see out of Tari Eason, I'm looking at the Houston Rockets version of Draymond Green. And I'm not talking about Draymond Green, who is just out there benefiting off of playing alongside two of the top three greatest shooters of all time. One of them is the greatest shooter of all time. No, I'm talking about a guy who is going to be the heart and soul of this Houston Rockets team, possibly as early as December, because the way that young man came out, and yes, I understand it, it's Summer League. Um, he's playing against other rookies. He's playing against other guys who are just hoping and praying just to get an opportunity to compete for a roster spot during training camp. But you cannot take away the 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 energy you cannot take away the passion you remember we talked to chris higgins um rick rick higgins excuse me several times throughout the summer league tournament and he always talked about his energy his passion for the game and that is what we saw every single time it didn't matter if it was the season open against the orlando magics or it was doing practice we saw tory easton give it his all and i saw early stages of a locker room leader, just like Draymond Green in Golden State. And when I take a look at the future of this Houston Rockets team, when I take a look at some checkpoints that I would like to see the Rockets get, one of the checkpoints that I wanted to see the Rockets get is 
who's going to step up and be a leader where it doesn't matter if you are the lowest paid player on this organization or you Kevin Porter Jr. or Jalen Green, who is going to be your two franchise players for this organization. He does not care who you are. He's going to get in your face and make sure you're doing the things that you're supposed to do in hopes of getting a win. That's what I love most about Tari Eason. Sarge, I know you had an opportunity to speak to his mom on several occasions. Is there anything you would like to share on this podcast about what was said from his mom? Uh, yes. So I got a chance to speak with his mom uh, during their press conference, their, their initial press conference that they had the day after the draft. And then I got a, another opportunity to speak with her. Uh, she was in attendance for the summer league games. And have you ever been around somebody whose energy is so strong and so positive that as soon as you come around them, like your energy goes up another level? Yeah. That's his mom. Like his mom has so much energy and so much passion. And I don't know how much you've seen uh, of her on social media or, or, or if you follow her on Twitter or not, but like this young lady knows the game as well. Hmm. She's just not out there rooting on her son, you know, hoping that he does well. She's someone who actually knows the game. So when you're talking to her, it's not like you're just talking to a parent of an NBA player. You're talking to someone who knows the game. Like our conversation uh, in, in Vegas consisted of him getting those double doubles and how he got those double doubles. Mm -hmm. And then what he needs to work on, what she's seen that he needs to work on coming into Rockets training camp. So we talked about his strengths and his weaknesses. And then, you know, I had a conversation with her like, well, how are you doing Vegas and things <laughs> like that. But no, she the the initial com our initial conversation at, at, at summer league was about his strengths and his weaknesses, what she's seen from him positively, and what she's seen from him, what he needs to work on. And when you have that type of person, then you see, and when when you look at Tari Eason, you can see where he gets his work ethic from, where he gets his energy from, where his determination comes from. So I I love it, and being able to talk to her was amazing. You know, you brought up a couple of things, Cody, and I wrote I wrote this down when you talked about uh, Draymond Green and compared him and, and said that Tari Eason has that type of mindset and that type of attitude. He has those type of intangibles. That's that's what I really like that that he has those type of intangibles, but he's built like Kawhi Leonard and he plays defense like Kawhi Leonard. I mean, he's tall. He's six eight. His hands are humongous, just like Kawhi Leonard. Like. Kawhi Leonard has the nickname The Claw for a reason. And Tari Eason plays exactly like that on defense. He's ferocious. So it's his intangibles. Now, if I had to say one thing that he needs to work on and improve on is his decision-making when he has the ball in his hands to be able to get you know, other teammates involved and being able to hit that, that, that corner three. Now, he even admitted uh, during summer league and he talked to us in practice that that's the one thing that he wanted to work on was to be able to hit that corner three because he's going to get with Kevin Porter Jr. with Jalen Green, mm. Alper and Shingun on the floor, even when Josh Christopher is on the floor and them two are together, Jabari Smith, he's going to get that same shot that made P.J. Tucker so famous. Hmm. That corner three is going to be open for him 
the almost the entire game. And if, if he works his way right there and he learns to hit that shot consistently, once they close out on him, he has great skills to be able to get to the to the basket and he can finish. And so that's what I need to see him work on is his decision making as far as once he has the ball in his hands and hitting that corner three. Now, the last thing that, that I wanted to say, I want to touch on something because you brought up a very good point about about him uh, being drafted by Raphael Stone and, you know, the kind of player that Steven Silas has. One thing that the Rockets has done and the one thing that I have to let me do it, tip my cap. <laughs> to uh, general manager Raphael Stone is this. They have an ego-less locker room now. Hmm. Nobody in there has a big ego to whereas they get jealous if somebody else gets more shine than them. They get jealous if someone gets more touches than them. They don't have that. When you look at a player like Jay Sean Tate, all he wants to do play basketball. You look at a player like rookie Tari Eason. All he wants to do is play basketball. Second year player Josh Christopher. All he wants to do is play basketball. Kevin Porter Jr. just wants to play basketball. Alpi, like I can go down the roster and show you players. Kenya Martin Jr., KJ, he just wants, they, these guys just want to play play basketball. And so what, uh, what Raphael Stone has done is building a culture. <laughs> culture. You know, that was, uh, look, remember the buzzword that used to be around the Houston Texans? Oh, it's still going to be around. It's just not around <laughs> as much. Look, I say this on Locked On Texans. They finally found an opportunity to, to combine culture and talent together. See, last year they just worried about culture. Now, yeah. you know, you, you bring guys like Jalen Petrie alone, it's culture and talent. We're going to so, cool. combine that together. Exactly. And so if you use that with the, with the Rockets, they are building the, the the foundation that they're building, the culture that they're building is something you may not see manifest this year, but it will definitely manifest. If they can keep that team together, it will definitely manifest, you know, further on down the line. Hmm. Continuing on with the conversation of Summer League, Sarge, we all know that Eason, Jabari Smith Jr., Ty Ty Washington, even Dacian Nix, Josh Christopher, those were the main guys that had the biggest spotlight on them in terms of the Houston Rockets Summer League. However, there were a couple of players that caught our eye during those five games in Las Vegas. And is there anybody on the Rockets Summer League roster you would like to see the Houston Rockets give an opportunity to um, at least compete for a roster spot during training camp, and I think I already know where you're going. <laughs> Why do you always do this to me? <laughs> Why? Why do you always put me in these type of positions, Cody? Why? Like, it's almost like you're setting me up. Because you how am know. I, how am I setting you up? <laughs> because you know that I'm a huge Bruno Fernando fan. You know that I, listen... I talk about Bruno, no, no. <laughs> I always talk about Bruno. But if he has to compete with Eric uh, Eric Holman, what what am I supposed to do? Because I love the energy and the ferocity ferocity that Bruno plays with, but Holman fits that system better because he can shoot better. Mm-hmm. Like he's not a consistent three point shooter. But he'll knock a couple of them down. And I think that that's going to set 
those two apart. If Coach Silas still runs the same type of offense that he ran last year or some some form of variation of that, Holman fits into that better than Bruno does. And he may not be as big, and, and I mean big as far as stature-wise, as far as muscles and things like that, strength-wise. Holman may not be as big as Bruno, but with the level of energy that he plays with on the defensive end and the way he protects the rim, exactly like Bruno did during his short time of being getting playing time with the Rockets on last season, I'm thinking that that jump shot, that three-point shot, is what would get him on the roster quicker hmm. than it would Bruno Fernando. But hand over heart. Not saying that I'm not a Bruno <laughs> Fernando fan because if he doesn't land with the Rockets, wherever he lands, I am getting me a Bruno <laughs> Fernando jersey. And I'm glad that you compared Bruno and Eric Holman together because it's going to lead me into the next topic that I want to talk about, and that's Uzman Garuba. And since they departed from Christian Wood, everyone understands that this is going to be an opportunity for the Rockets to start Elperin Shagun. However, who's going to be his backup center? I, and Sarge, you could attest to this, and this is no disrespect to Usman Garuba, but I have not seen anything from him that makes me comfortable saying that he should be the Rockets' backup center. In terms of Bruno Fernando, I sat right next to you during the second half of last season, and I saw where Bruno Fernando brought to the Houston Rockets organization. As a matter of fact, I remember, um, I, I can't remember the game that he actually had. It was like a career performance that he had. And we even talked to Kevin Porter Jr. after the game. Seven, and, seven that game too. Exactly. And we talked to Kevin Porter Jr. after the game. And, and Porter straight up said the only thing Bruno needed was an opportunity. And we and we saw how Bruno was able to take advantage of that opportunity, made the best of it. And as you and I sit here right now on July 26, 2022, I do not understand why they do not have at least a training camp, um, a, a training camp competition contract signed for Bruno as of right now. You saw him. I saw him. He was around this organization um, throughout the Rockets Summer League time with the rest of the veterans who were not participating on the Summer League roster. But in terms of Eric Holman, honestly, what I saw in Las Vegas, I truly don't understand why Eric Holman isn't on the team roster as of right now. This is a guy who has bounced around from Boston to Miami to Lakers to Dallas, but never really had an opportunity to play on the NBA level. Going into training camp, Sarge, you could correct me if I'm wrong. I would much rather see Raphael Stone decide who he's going to give that backup role to out of Eric Holman and Bruno Fernando and just give Uzma Garuba another, an, another opportunity to continue developing in the G League. And look, it's unfortunate, and I understand we – have not seen much of him due to injuries. You cannot control injuries, but even when he's on the court, outside of that game against the Indiana Pacers where he pulled down, what, 13, 14 rebounds, I have not seen much out of Usman Garuba like I have in Eric Holman and Bruno Fernando. Well, I think that – I don't know if it's – so it's, I don't think that it's fair to say, and I'm not saying this to you, I'm just saying this in mm -hmm. general. I don't think that it's fair that – I don't think that we. It's fair to assess Bruno. Um, Bruno. 
Usman Garuba. <laughs> yeah. It's not fair to assess Usman Garuba just yet because, like you said, we don't we don't know what we don't know. Mm-hmm. This young man has been riddled by injuries that has have kept him out of the game, and we've seen that when he's able to get some sort of playing time. I mean, in the G League, he was very good playing down in the G League. Maybe not the numbers that a lot of people would have wanted him to have, but you know, just the fact that you could see the potential. So if we remove the injuries, the second factor that we have to throw in there is that if you want him to back up Alperin Shingun, you're going to have to give him some sort of leeway and you're going to have to give him some sort of, you got to give him some sort of leeway and rope only because he's a natural forward. Mm -hmm. That's his position. He's not a center. Alpi is a center. When he was playing overseas, he was a center. Alperin can play with his back to the basket or he can turn and face you up. Kind of like the same thing what the Joker can do in Denver. For Usman, he's always been a forward who doesn't play a lot with his back to the basket, who faces you up a lot. Not the best of dribblers, but he's very strong and can get his shot. Mm-hmm. So if they're going to if they're grooming him to be a backup to Alperin Shingun, and instead of being, let's say, a backup to Jabari Smith. Like he could mm. be, I feel like, you know, he could be a backup to Jabari Smith Jr., but then now you throw in, well, what does that put Jay Sean Tate? Right? And, and, and like, Tari Eason as well. Well, I think that Tari should be the backup three. And if you're gonna play, like he should be the backup three. I don't know if you're gonna play him and um uh, who did I just say? Tate. Oh, yeah, if you're gonna play him and Tate together at the same time, then Tate's going to have to play the four because that's something that he's used to. I don't Mm -hmm. know if you can play Tari at the four just yet. So Usman may be, you know, you may be able to bring him in. You may be able to play him and Alpi at the same time. I don't know. I just want to give him a little more time to develop. It's really sad that he missed the entire summer league because of injuries. And that's doing nothing but pushing him further back. And with the talent that the Rockets have, just like you said, you said this in Las Vegas. You said that if this young man is not available to be on the court, then the people that are is going to pass him by. Because when you got Jay Sean Tate, you you got Jay Sean Tate and you got KJ. Mm-hmm. And so now where does that put Uzman? And if you're going to play him because he's a young talent and you drafted him in the first round, then some way, somehow they're going to try to fit him in, but you cannot put a square piece in a round hole. So does that make him expendable? Does that make him go back to the G league for, uh, you know, for a long period of time? I don't know. Like, this is a very good question, Cody. I don't know where Uzman Garuba ends up. I don't know. I don't know where he fits on this team, to be honest with you, as far as, you know, getting the playing time that he needs if he can't stay healthy. I would love to see what this young man could do if he could stay healthy. But if you, once you get that label on you of injury prone, uh, and it's always these little, you know, these, these, I don't want to call them nagging injuries because if they're, it, it, they hurt him enough for him to have to sit out a while. 
So mm-hmm. it was the wrist, you know, it was the ankle. I think at one point it may have been some other upper body thing that he had going on before he hurt the wrist. Mm-hmm. Like we just have to be able to see him on a continuous basis and him getting more playing time. Because you also know this, Cody, when you're injured and you're sitting, now you got to try to come back and you got to try to work yourself back into game shape. Mm-hmm. And and I think that is the biggest disappointment that I had in you know, out this whole summer league experience was the fact we did not get an opportunity to see Garuba. Um, and I really thought that this might have been more important to him than any other player on this roster because – it would it would have solidified why one the Houston Rockets are so high on high on him, and two it would have solidified his his role to take over as the backup center. Um, Raphael Stone, his scouting department has done a phenomenal job recruiting, bringing in the talent, whether that be through the draft, whether it be be through free agency or whatever the case might be. And I trust their judgment on what they see. <laughs> In Usman Garuba, and there is a reason why he is still on this roster. But you know, given the injuries, given what I saw out of Eric Coleman, given what we saw during the second half of last season with Bruno Fernando, I'm not too sure if I would like to see this organization move forward with um Usman Garuba at least for 2022-2023 season. Um, really quick before moving on and wrapping up this latest installment of Believe in the Rocket Sarge, I do want to get your thoughts on the rotation. Me personally, I'm I feel like it's kind of hard to get a feel on the Rockets rotation because Eric Gordon is still a part of this equation. And we started off this episode talking about Tari Eason. Um, and and as and as the way things are looking right now, I think we can all agree that Eason is going to come off the bench. But Sarge, I don't believe that. Eason is going to be a reserve player for too long when the season starts. I could be wrong, but I'm looking at this from a standpoint of who do you take out of the starting five in hopes of giving Tari Eason an opportunity to start? The only player that I can really see is Eric Gordon, but with him being the veteran, with with the Rockets still trying to display the showcase that he has something on that he still has something left in the tape tank in hopes of getting this this dream package that they are holding on to get for Eric Gordon. I don't see Gordon being taken out of this rotation, and I just feel like as of right now, as long as Gordon is still a part of the Rockets organization, it messes up the potential rotation that I could truly see. Coach Steven Silas going for when the season starts. <sighs> but once again, I do want to admit, I, I understand why the Rockets keep want, want to keep Eric Gordon around because he's a veteran and those young guys, they need a veteran presence in that locker room. I do want to add that. And you're talking about rotation as far as starters, right? Mm-hmm. So a couple of things. One, I'm going to start with the last statement that you made. Yes, they need a leader. But they need a vocal leader, and Eric is not a vocal leader. He's not. He is, of course, he's one of those guys who leads by example, and, and nothing is wrong with that, that aspect of it, when you're playing on a veteran-led team. But when you're playing on a team who has, you know, teenagers on it, who have who has guys, I mean, if you think about it, Alper and Shingun just turned 20, so you got a lot of guys that's that's playing under under 21 for this team. 
you need a a player on your team that not only leads by example, but also in the locker room when things start to go awry, get array, uh, you know, go array. You need someone that can calm that locker room down. That that those that you know those young men will listen to. Mm-hmm. You know, they know what Eric Gordon can do on the court, but what type of locker room leader is he? And 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 you know, I'm not saying someone who's loud and boisterous and and Eric doesn't do a lot, you know, Eric doesn't get himself in any trouble off the court. So Mm -hmm. they can also use that as an example, but it has to be somebody that can step in and say, when he stands up and begins to talk, he can command the room. I mean, I'm going to give you an example. I mean, when Chris Paul stands up, Hmm. right. When Chris Paul stands up and begins to talk, no matter who's in the room, everybody's going to stop and listen to what he has to say. So, you know, I, I feel like that Eric Gordon, if he's going to be the one that's going to be stamped as the veteran, and you know, of course, he's the probably the oldest. Um, he's probably, you know, he probably has the most years with the Rockets. Then he's going to have to incorporate that into he has he has to incorporate that into his total package and total game this season as well the second thing that that intrigues me about this houston rockets starting rotation is if you remove eric gordon who's going to be able to hit the outside shot Mm. i get it i I got it jalen green came on and he came on strong after the all-star break but he isn't as consistent as eric gordon is you know jabari smith jr can shoot but he's still a rookie kpj he can shoot but sometimes he get sometimes he can be a little streaky, you know. I mean, when he's on, he's on. But when he's off, he, he ain't no good. We know that Alperin is still working on his three point shots. So if you remove Eric Gordon out of that starting lineup and replace him with Tari Eason, yes, that makes you a better defensive team. Yes, that makes you a better uh, points in the paint team. But what about when teams pack the paint? Now you're just depending on. Jalen to make sure that he hits all his shots. Now, we haven't seen Jalen Green. The last last we seen of Jalen Green, he was tearing the NBA mm. up in that second half, like I said earlier, the second half after the All-Star break. If he comes in and shows early that he could hit that three-pointer consistently, then yes, I will feel comfortable with them moving Eric Gordon out of the lineup. But until then, you got to have somebody on the floor that can hit that shot because you still have three to four of the guys who can get to the paint, who can drive and kick. Mm. Last question before getting out of here for today. Um, in terms of the Houston Rockets prior to summer league, we all felt that the Rockets had one of, if not the best collection of young talent that they were able to collect during the draft. Um, after summer league, do we still feel like that, Sarge? I do. I understand. Let me let me let me start off by saying this. Pablo wait, wait, Bancaro, you do what again? wait, what I, I, I still believe that the Rockets still came away with the best collection of talented players during the draft. Um prior to the draft, we all was getting prepared that the Rockets is going to get um Paulo Bancaro. Yeah, them two games that we watch. Mm, he already has my vote for rookie of the year. <laughs> um, he was Murray. 
He was better than advertised. Then there's Keegan Murray. Sarge, do you think there was a missed opportunity there for Houston? I, I, what I would say, I felt like this prior to the draft, felt like this during the draft, and I still feel like this to this day. I think the Rockets might have missed out on getting the best player by missing out on Paolo Bancaro, but I do believe, and this is what I wanted to see the Rockets do, I do believe that Jabari Smith Jr. is a better fit for this team, especially considering the fact that he has already taken over the top ham, the top priority to become this team's defensive anchor. So with that being said, right, and I'm going to answer your question, mm-hmm. but I, 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 hate, I hate answering questions with a question. But I I need some clarification before I make this answer. So I have to ask you a question. Mm -hmm. So if you like the way that, you know, the way you feel about Paulo Bancaro and what we've seen. And, you know, I've said this on numerous occasions. I'll say it again. I had an NBA scout tell me before the draft that this young man is NBA ready. He can get to his spots whenever he needs to get to his spots. He can, you know, and he knows how to get to NBA spots, not just college spots, NBA spots that a lot of rookies don't know how to get to. So, yes, he is NBA ready as far as being able to score. He's been compared a lot to Devin Booker as far as him being able to score. And, you know, I just seen him. I just seen video of him just totally <laughs> destroying Donovan Mitchell. I saw that. I saw you that. Seen that? Like, yes, I saw like, that. Like, yo, look, <laughs> I was like, yo. You get cooked, <laughs> <laughs> and that's NBA All Star. That's on the trading block right now. <laughs> right, you remember uh, Adrian Bronner? Man, I'm getting cooked. <laughs> that's how I feel. But so, with that being said, though, before I answer this question, if you were the general manager of the Houston Rockets, would you have uh, asked the Orlando Magic what they wanted and traded up for the number one spot? Be- Let me ask that first. No, no, I wouldn't. Um, and, and I say that, and this is part of the reason why I still, and even prior to the draft, I still felt that Jabari Smith Jr. was the best fit for this team. I think I said this on the last installment of, of Believe, but if not, I'm going to say it again. There's one word that I keep going back to in terms of every press conference that we did with Steven Silas after the season. Um, rather that was the exit interviews, rather that was that event at the um, at the community center. Um, the same goes for Raphael Stone. Remember, we talked to him that Tuesday prior to the draft. Doing after the draft on Zoom, Raphael Stone said the same word. And even during the rookies' introductory press conference, both Stephen Silas and Raphael Stone mentioned one attribute that they wanted to see this team improve at, and that's defense. You go back and you listen to every single one of those press conferences, they all talked about how they want to improve on that defensive side of the ball. And yes, Paolo Bancaro is a very talented player, but I don't see the Rockets making the steps with Paolo in terms of their development because one, I do believe they already have their number one scoring option in Jalen Green. And number two, uh you can make a debate that it's up for grab, but I think number two, as of going into the season, is Kevin Porter Jr. In terms of Jabari Smith Jr., not only do that gives the Rockets a solid, a, a solid number three scoring option, but like I mentioned, 
I think we can all make it. I, I can make an argument that he could be the Rockets' best defensive player as of right now. And when, when, when I say fit, I'm looking at this from a standpoint of how can the Houston Rockets continue to the, continue to benefit from adding the players that they add, rather that be through the draft or free agency. And like I keep mentioning, Sarge, they wanted to improve on the defensive side of the ball more than anything. They got that in Jabari Smith Jr. So I asked you that question, and we're on the same page when it comes to this. The Houston Rockets couldn't lose because they were in the perfect position. If the Orlando Magic would have took Jabari, they would have taken Paolo. We know that mm-hmm. Jet Holmgren was out of the picture. We knew without a shadow <laughs> of a doubt that Oklahoma City was taking Chet. And they want KD 2.0. Right? <laughs> right? We knew that Chet was, you could just scratch him out. There was no Orlando nor Houston was going to, to, to draft him. They were in a perfect position. By not trading up, they got exactly what they needed they couldn't mm-hmm. they couldn't go wrong with either jabari apollo where i say that the rockets will benefit where i say that the rockets i will say this they won the first round they won the first round by taking jabari smith jr is because apollo is not as polished on the defensive end as Jabari Smith Jr. is. And if you and I have been covering this Rockets team long enough to know that they haven't had a rim protector Hmm. in a very long time. So now, when if KPJ gets beat beat off the dribble, if Jalen Green gets beat off the dribble, they know, hey, well, look, you might have beat me, but I got a guy standing back there that's 6'11", 7' foot, you know, still growing, probably going to be seven two with a seven six wingspan that you're not going to get the ball over. And he's athletic enough to come rotate off the off his man off the wing and meet you at the goal. And if he doesn't do it, he's going to get there quick enough. But if he can't, Tari Eason, who is also a really good defender, is coming as well. You put those two together, the Rockets won. The Rockets won by taking Jabari Smith Jr. The Rockets <laughs> won by taking Tari Eason. What he did was what Raphael Stone, and I'm going to give so, because we always give credit to Raphael Stone, the general manager, but we got to give some credit to Coach Silas too, because Raphael Stone is not just making these decisions by himself. He always talks to Coach Silas. Hmm. So both of them had an excellent draft by getting Jabari Smith Jr. and Tari Eason. So, I uh, yes, I feel like with, with the Rockets got exactly what they needed because they needed a player that can play not only on the defensive end. When we look at the intangibles and when we look at the strengths of Jabari Smith Jr., Cody, you and I were standing there. Uh, on multiple occasions during summer league, watching the Rockets practice and watching this young man shoot. Hmm. This young man has the form of a guard. He shoots like a guard. He like he has a, his form so pretty and it's consistent. So even when he misses, it looks like, it looks like it's going in. 
And like I said, and I want to say one more thing about, about him on the defensive side of the ball as well. Christian Wood was never going to – Christian Wood's not going to defend the paint like that. Christian mm-hmm. Wood is not going to defend the rim like like he – and that's no shot at Christian Wood because I like Christian Wood, but I feel like Christian Wood, is, he's going to be great for you on one end, and on the other end you have to be like, ah, come on, Christian, let's get it together. <laughs> you got to you gotta talk him up, rah-rah speech him, and Jabari is just like, no, nah, I'm going to go down here because the funny thing about this, Cody, is – I honestly and truly believe that Jabari Smith Jr., Tari Eason, and Tata Washington, they probably will never admit it, but I feel like they got a bet going on on who's going to be the better rookie. <laughs> notice, like, they're friends and they're competitive. Mm-hmm. They're, they're, they're very competitive about who, you know, who does what and things like that. Now, they work together as a cohesive unit. But they're very competitive. So, yes, I I think that the Houston Rockets, and I'm not just saying that because I cover the Rockets, but I think that they had a very good draft. And if I had to give them a draft grade like we did last time, I'll give them an A plus. And I would say that I, I can't. I, well, I don't know because Detroit had a pretty good draft too. Yes, they did. And unfortunately, and Cunningham. Oh man, just who man Rockets. Pistons 2025 NBA Finals. <laughs> Oklahoma City Thunder had a great draft too. Yes, they did. Oh, yes, they did. And Chet. Mm, mm, mm. But with that being said, that's going to conclude this latest installment of Believe in the Rockets only on the Believe Podcast Network. As always, I'm your host, Cody Davis. Please remember to follow me on Twitter at Cody Davis underscore 24. Once again, that's Cody C O T Y D A V I S underscore 24. Sarge. Tell our listeners and viewers where they can find you and be sure to tell them where they can find all of your work from 790, you know, where you write and of course your podcast. <laughs> hey, listen, you can find me at Big Star Sports with a Z at the end on uh, Twitter and Instagram. You can find me at BigStarSports.com. I'm the uh, sports editor. Make sure you look at my content on Houston Style Magazine. I have a weekly podcast, Sports Talk with Big Sarge and Cody. As of yesterday, I have definitely become a hood rat celebrity. So, I mean, I don't know how many more of these, you know, podcasts I can be on with you because mm-hmm. now I'm starting to become in high demand. You know, it was just, you know, I mean, it's it's kind of like it's kind of like how I got my wife, Cody. It only took three <laughs> minutes to, you know, to make me famous. Until next time, ladies and gentlemen, peace. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.